Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up everyone, welcome to episode 303, you heard that right, episode 303 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button, tell a friend to tell a friend about Combo's Court Podcast. Today's show, Eric Sanchez, host of The Sanchez Show, and co-host of Real Fans Real Talk joins in with Max Van Auken, host of the MVP podcast. Just a fantastic conversation. We talk basketball. We talk boxing. You could find Eric on Instagram at Legend in Two Games. You could find Max on Instagram at Max underscore Van underscore Auken. You know you could find me on Instagram at one two combo intro music by luca beats let's get into it luca don't do it to him Sanchez of the Sanchez Show and Real Fans Real Talk is here with Max Van Auken, host of the MVP podcast. Guys, both of you, welcome to Combo's Court. How are you guys feeling today? Feeling great, feeling great. Max, great to meet you, man. I'm looking forward to this podcast. Nice to meet you too, sir. Combo, it's always good talking to you as well. Don't feel left out. We look forward to talking to you as well. So, nah, you guys, just, you guys just want to talk to each other. You guys don't even want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, man. I brought Max and Eric here to talk basketball, but first and foremost, I don't know if it's foremost, we're going to talk boxing because they know the field a lot better than I do. So I wanted to start with this, the state of boxing. Obviously, Max watches a lot. He uh, trained MMA himself, and Eric's been watching boxing for a long time. I mean, Eric was watching boxing when the best fighters actually had the most interest, right? I mean, <laughs> it's not to a, to a certain extent. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, it seems like right now the trend is that it's not really that, that the best boxers aren't really getting the most attention. The attention is going towards the people that are getting mo- the most attention. Do you guys see this as the current trend? And do you believe it's a blip? I will say, I think the art of trying to promote yourself is going to become a trend, but not everybody can do it. Because you can't name me another guy other than Jake Paul that's really doing it right now. So if he loses, obviously the momentum stops. But the art of promoting yourself can always continue on. Like we've seen people try to do what Conor McGregor did. Kobe Covington tried it. Paul O'Malley's trying to do it like Sean O'Malley is doing it. So you're going to see people that will try to replicate it. But the trend, you ultimately have to win. So if Jake Paul loses his last fight to Tyron Woodley, obviously the promotion will somewhat slow down. I'm not saying he can't like talk crap to get into his next big fight, but it's not going to continue to have the success it's having unless you're winning. So I think the art of it will continue, but I don't know if it's a trend that will be replicated amongst a lot of people. Eric. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's really the art of promotion. Um, I think we're in this time now because everyone views themselves as a businessman, as a brand. Um, so a lot of these young fighters 
who want to become the next it guy, the next face of the sport, they view themselves as Floyd Mayweather. They want to take that path. So they're not as interested in fighting the best fighter or being known as the best fighter more so than I want you to know who I am. Uh, I think Ryan Garcia is a prime example of that. Ryan Garcia is huge on social media, but Ryan Garcia hasn't fought anyone. Um, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, what they're doing is similar. They, they're drumming up interest for the sport, but who have they really fought? I mean, Jake Paul has two MMA fighters, a basketball player, and a YouTube on his resume. So we're talking more about him because he can sell himself. He's not selling his skill. He's not selling himself as a real boxer, but he's selling his popularity. So, Eric, we'll start with you. Um, Logan Paul is not as good a fighter as Jake Paul, correct? I think from what we've seen, I don't want to say one is better than the other. From what I've seen and what I heard, they, they both have been training seriously for about two years now. Um, I think Jake looks a little more polished in the ring than Logan does. Um, so, I mean, if we, if we want to use that as, as the measuring stick, yeah, I'll say he's better. Yeah, from my understanding, I think that uh, Jake is working a little bit harder than than maybe his brother is at the sport, maybe a little bit more focused on boxing than his brother. Even though I heard that um, Logan might be more of a natural boxer, I was reading today, but who knows? Max, how would you compare Logan and Jake? Well, to each other or to other fighters? To, to each other, yeah, Jake's the more refined boxer. I think Logan's the better athlete. Um, and Logan has a wrestling background. As far as to like against other boxers, I mean, that's, that's honestly what it is. They, we haven't seen a boxer boxer. So it's kind of hard to evaluate where you're at when you're people don't understand like MMA is a combat sport, but it's a completely different art. So MMA, you have to focus on so many different things. So it's like class. If you had to go to an English class, a history class, obviously you have PE, you have science. It's harder to maintain. Like you may not be great at one thing. You'll just know how to balance all those classes and get good grades, but it's like art. You're a mathematician. Like that's what you're focusing on. You're focusing on one thing. And so when you take an MMA fighter, no matter how good they are and you put them in the boxing ring, it's a completely different sport, even though it's both under the combat umbrella. And so we haven't really seen Jake or Logan box anybody that you can really evaluate how good they are. Now, Jake possesses like those fundamental skills and like he is working hard and he does have power, but it's like what you're saying, it's a YouTuber, it's a former NBA player. And then it's, Tyron Woodley, who granted is a former UFC champion, but he lost his last four UFC fights. He was in his 40s and he never boxed. And so you can't really evaluate it when we never really seen him take the real test. Yeah, Mac, I, I want to say something, too, because, Max, you brought up a great point there. Um, and I, I can't remember who was on the commentary for the Woodley-Paul fight, but they had even mentioned that even though Woodley is known as a striker, in MMA, the jab isn't a punch that's used. You never jab to set up anything else. Whereas a boxer, everything starts with your jab. So even though Woodley is known as a striker and possesses power, we saw that because it should have been a knockdown. He knocked the ropes, held him up. Mm -hmm. He wasn't setting anything up off of a jab. He wasn't setting any traps that you would see a traditional boxer set up in a fight. Let me get, let me get this to show you my expertise. Um, <laughs> even though this is not my expertise, but I'm assuming the reason you don't use a jab um, in MMA is because your leg will be shown, right? And you'll just get kicked. Yeah, well, it, yeah, your whole, your stance is completely, your, everything that you do can be used against you. So if you're taking a lot of jabs, look what happened to Conor McGregor in his leg. You look at so many title fights got determined by the leg kick. And so yeah. if you're constantly putting your leg out there, you're not one, you can get kicked, you can get taken down. There's just so many variables that can happen to you. So you don't see the jab nearly as much unless 
like a George St. Pierre is probably the best guy that's used the jab in MMA. And that's because his wrestling background was ridiculous. And so no one's going to take him down. And he had a kickboxing background. But other than that, yeah, you're not seeing the jab utilized nearly as much. The jab is like the dribble for boxing. Mm, it sets you up. For everything. Have you ever seen somebody get knocked out off a jab? In MMA? Either. Uh, I would say stumbled. There are certain guys who have a very hard, stiff jab. Like Triple G has a really stiff jab. So I've seen them knock guys off balance, but not really knock them down or put them out. But you could definitely stumble a guy and you make a guy second guess. I mean, again, it's the it's the best punch in boxing because it slows you down from coming in. You can't just lunge at a guy and go forward if he's got a really good jab. Mike Tyson didn't use the jab much, right? Not really. Yeah. Angles, angles and movement. Yeah. And then in MMA, uh, Anderson Silva knocked someone out the jab, but it wasn't a traditional jab. It wasn't like, let me step forward and jab you. It was against Forrest Griffin. And he was going backwards. It was more of a counter strike. And it's like forces momentum was so far forward. It did like half the work for Anderson Silva. So that's not like a traditional jab. I think it, it was almost like a, like a, a short hook he threw at him, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was like kind of going backwards. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was, it was weird. Eric, do you believe there's a boxer today that could shift that attention back to guys who are the best boxers? Like is who is the best pound for pound fighter right now in boxing, in your opinion? I think it's Canelo Alvarez. Uh, the only thing that's stopping Canelo from being uh, a big crossover star, I think, is the language barrier. Um, mm. He doesn't speak much English. Um, when he does, it's kind of broken English, which is understandable because he didn't grow up here. Uh, but as we know, in order to be able to market him and get him the endorsements and, and get him on television, he's got to be able to speak the language a little bit. I think that's the only thing that's really holding him back. Um, but in terms of skill, in terms of marketability, he has it all because he doesn't look like your traditional Mexican fighter. Um, right with the, with the bright orange red hair freckles he's got all the skills in the ring we've seen it it's just when it's time to present himself it's not the same presentation you would get from another fighter max i think that we're gonna see a shift into a lot of crossover when it comes to sports right like we even see stuff on youtube with rappers playing basketball called the crew league i mean we see mm -hmm. mma we see we see mma fighters boxing boxers who are not even boxers they were actually youtubers but now they're training in boxers where do you see this trend going and do you like this trend do you enjoy this trend i'm i'm all for people being aggressive and trying new things i just want people to make sure they respect what they're getting into like there's a reason why professionals are professionals in their sport like well i, th I think in the fighting game you have to respect it or you'll get yeah, hurt it's, it's not yeah, like it's a different you know. people can get seriously hurt like when you box and when you're doing mma but luckily what we've seen is we've seen like another YouTubers boxing, another YouTuber, like we're seeing another, like people you're not getting on um, besides, I guess, Floyd Mayweather. But again, we talked about the height difference, the weight, the age. So it's a little differently. It's like, you're not getting a uh, prime Khabib versus a YouTuber. Like then someone seriously gets hurt. So as long as like somebody, if you're crossing over to the sport and they understand it's an exhibition, like you're clearly going against someone that's yeah, your level is for fun. I, I like it's entertainment. At the end of the day, we always end up tuning in. So you can hate it all you want, but it's getting people to tune in. But as long as there's respect and like you understand what you're getting into, I think ultimately I don't, it's not a bad thing. Max, who would you have as the best pound for pound fighter right now? I, I agree. Canelo. I really like Lomachenko, but uh, Canelo Alvarez right now, he, that, that's the guy. Got you. Is there a fight you guys would like to see him in? Mm, you can take that one. Uh, I've, I've got a couple. I would love to see him in. Um, if possible, 
at a catch weight, Errol Spence, because Errol Spence is a, is a naturally big welterweight. Um, I think, you know, if they could work it out at 155, 160, I think they could make it work. Um, and then there's a rising star in the middleweight that I really like, uh, Edgar Belanga from uh, Brooklyn. He's 17 and 0, 16 of his wins were first round knockouts. He has like a Tyson aura about him. Um, he's still raw, but he's a guy that I, I would, just from style wise, I would love to see him against Canelo. Cause the only time that we've seen Canelo kind of struggle to go forward against a fighter was against Triple G. You got to be able to match that power to stop Canelo from coming forward. Max? I'm luckily the fight that I really want to see is happening. There's nothing better than a big heavyweight fight. So I'm really excited to see the Tyson Fury fight once again with Deontay Wilder. So that one, because I didn't think the first fight was a draw. Clearly, we know how the second one went. And so now the third one, it's like, okay, we can just get this chapter closed. And honestly, there's nothing more exciting than a big heavyweight fight. So so I want to shift to the Olympics because to me, when I was a kid, the Olympics was such a grand thing. It was such a big thing. And now attention is fragmented. So we don't have those few channels to watch. Like you almost had to watch the Olympics. I mean, there was no social media back then, um, you know, during the 88 Olympics, the 92 Olympics, obviously with the dream team. So it's a lot different now. There's not as many eyes on the TV screen. Do you guys feel that the Olympics impact wasn't as grand as it used to have been for this past Olympics? And do you feel they could put the content out a little bit differently than they did this year? I just thought that there just wasn't as much attention as there used to be on this Olympics. And how did you feel about this Olympics as a whole? You could start, Eric. I agree. It, it, it didn't have the same uh, feeling to it. Um, some of it might have just been time zone difference. I mean, obviously, you had to be waking up very early on the middle of the night to catch some of the events. Um, obviously, we had the, the controversy with uh, Shikari Richardson. So I think there were other factors. Um, yep. But it definitely didn't have the same feel that we've had in the past. Max? I, I agree. I didn't. And I don't know how much of that would be co like COVID-related. I don't know if that really played a role. Obviously, we're in a worldwide pandemic. So maybe just with so much going on, people have so many different things going on in their life. Like you said, there's just so many different channels, so many different sports. Every night, there's something going on. So I didn't ever feel the need, like, I have to tune in tonight. Like I, that never, I mean, I did because I love sports. I love the Olympics, but to your point, it didn't feel like it was a necessity. Like, Oh, I, I have to wake up and watch this today. So I think a highlight for me in the Olympics, maybe not for everybody was three X three. Um, I love the rules of that sport. I just think it's so fast paced. I mean, in Europe, they've been playing this sport for a long time. It's not the same three on three as when you check it up top. I mean, there's a 12 second shot clock, the basketball, is I think the weight of a man's ball with the size of a woman's ball. I don't know if you guys do Ooh, that. That's... Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. But I would like them to take it one step further, and I'd like to see one-on-one -on -one in the Olympics. I really would because, you know, growing up, you guys both played ball. I think some of the most intense matchups we've ever oh. seen was when the five-on-five -five stopped. And two guys got really into it, and it turned into one-on-one. -on -one. Do you remember the intensity of those times? I mean, I think three dribble max would be great. I think, um, no pun intended, Max. I think, <laughs> I think a shot clock would be great. Um, but I would really like to see that happen. And when I posted it on social, a lot of people thought that they should add that to the All-Star game. I don't think that will happen because people are want to protect their brands. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing NBA guys in one-on-one -on -one in the Olympics. I wouldn't mind seeing non-NBA guys who are really high level in the Olympics. Like either way is cool with me. 
How do you guys feel with that? We'll start with Max. Oh, I love one-on-one because like he's, that's for all, every game that I bet money on was one-on-one because five-on-five, obviously yeah. if you have your squad, it's a different story, but someone can mess up one-on-one. It's all on me. So if I mess up, I have no one to blame. So I think if you do it the right way, if you do three dribbles max, you want to know who would have really thrived off that is Carmelo. I think Carmelo, Carmelo could be one of the best three dribble one-on-one players we, we, we would see. That or like a KD who you can't yeah. stop. Melo would be so, tough. I, th- I think right now with the defense, it might be a little bit tougher for him to slide his feet. Right, like right, I, right. I would give it to KD, but yeah, but Melo in his prime when he was still oh athletic, oh man, that, that would have been tough. That would have been tough. Yeah, I would love it. I would absolutely love to see a one-on-one. And then the all-star game, I would like to see that as well because it's like the three-point has overthrown the dunk. And so if you can add another element that gets people excited, I don't think one-on-one necessarily proves who's better. Like I remember that would always be debate early. Like, oh, well, I beat you one-on-one. It doesn't mean you're better. But if you get two guys playing one-on-one that are competitive or maybe rivals, I think everyone would tune into that. Yeah, I I agree. If you get two highly skilled guys – uh, like we mentioned, KD, Melo, uh, James Harden, guys like that in the one-on-one, it would be exciting. When you first posted it, I was like, Where, where's Combo going with this? And so my, my only question, no, because my only question would be, who would this be open to? Because I think for an all-star game, it makes a lot of sense because you have the star power. But if, if you're putting Olympic format, like how are we selling this? What are the parameters to, to be eligible to play in a one-on-one? Well, 3X3 is mostly non-NBA guys, even though there are a few guys that – from what I understand, have played in the league, maybe a cup of coffee. Yeah, so like in the 3x3 route, I mean, it's mostly non-NBA guys, a lot of high-level players. Um, a lot of the guys in Europe has been, have been playing this sport, you know, for a long time. And some of the European guys, they don't even play high-level Europe, you know? So I think they could go that route with one-on-one. I think it'll still be exciting if you have good players that aren't necessarily NBA guys. I can see it. It, it could work. I, that's That was my only question. How, what, who would be in charge of, I guess, figuring out the format to make it work. Because one-on-one, you're going to have millions of guys trying out to make Oh, it. The, the qualifiers would be lit, Eric. Yeah. You no, know you would pull up to the New York <laughs> qualifier. Yeah, the, the field would be crazy. Like, you, you know how many dudes, you know, out in Dykeman or at Rucker, like, yo, I could go to the Olympics behind this if, if I just get hot for this week. Think, think about Dykeman and Rucker, Eric. Uh, both tournaments I've played in. But the most magical moments, the best moments are when everybody clears out plays one-on-one, there's hardly any space on the court. I mean, if we could see that in the Olympics, that would be great. Obviously, they wouldn't have people on the court at the Olympics, but it would be awesome. Now, you should add that element. I think there's, there's, some, there's a feel to adding people on the court. I don't know what it is, Combo, but I think it would, it would add some excitement. All right, so who's a different got? level of intensity there. I think Most you def- should do that, Combo. Wait, what do you mean, B? You should create that. Oh, I it's should create idea. that. You create okay. that. I thought you wanted me to play. Like you know, I think six, you should play in six, it also, <laughs> <combo>. <laughs> All right. Let's shift away from my, my basketball and let's stay on KD because Max recently had a great podcast with Joy Taylor. Go check that out, the MVP podcast. And on that podcast, you did take me aback a little bit when you mentioned that KD is not in his prime. Did I hear that correctly, Max? I said, yeah, back nine in his, first of all, thank you for the kind words. But of course, awesome podcast. Go check I, that out. Shouts to Joy Taylor. Yeah, she's awesome. I would say he, like, prime KD, I think he's on the back nine of it. Doesn't mean he couldn't be the best player in the world. Doesn't mean he's not the second best player in the world. But it all started when everyone's like, oh, the Lakers, they're old. Who's in their prime? And I'm like, well, name me a superstar right now that's in their prime other than Giannis. 
Like Steph Curry, even though he had a great season, he's probably on the back nine of his prime. Luca hasn't entered his prime. Trey hasn't entered his prime. Besides Giannis, Kawhi Leonard's off the injury. Is he really in his prime compared to what he was in Toronto? Like you go through the list, Jimmy Butler's probably not in his prime. And so I was just going through all the guys. And so, of course, the Brooklyn Nets is a title contender. KD's 32 going on 33 years old. Are you taking this Kevin Durant after an Achilles injury, 33 years old, over what he was in Golden State or OKC? From what you saw in the Olympics, in the playoffs, do you think Katie's in his prime? Back nine. I don't think, I'm not saying he doesn't mean he's not the best, but I could say the same thing about what Katie was doing in OKC right before he left to Golden State. Like, and also in Golden State, obviously won two championships. Granted, he was in a great situation, but that was the conversation. We were saying he's better than LeBron James. And I didn't say that, but that's what the world was saying in those years that he won those championships. Like, oh, he's the best player in the world. Interesting. I think, I think what Max is saying is so Max is saying he's still in those prime years. He's just not at his peak anymore. Yeah. I, and, and now not at his peak can still be the best player in the world. Correct. It's just not his peak peak. Right. Right. Like, let's say we look at Jordan. Like I think Jordan at his best was 93. Maybe you guys would argue that, but obviously he right. had like, he had like three primes. Right. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And even because when he got older, he also got smarter. So he just would, choose pick and choose where he's going to explode i'm not saying kevin durant's an old man i'm not saying he's like falling off i'm just to my point i just didn't think he's physically i think it's overrated to say this guy's like at the heart of his prime because like you said jordan not in his prime still won all those rings granted not everyone's jordan but multiple people could win even when you're not at your physical peak yeah i I agree i I mean he may not be at his at his peak but he's still the most skilled player in the game um, yeah. which it, which should be more than enough for Brooklyn to go on a title run this year. Is he more skilled than Kyrie? I think yeah. so. Yes. yes. Really, guys? Yes, yes, yes. I would totally disagree. He. I mean, you, you don't think he has more in his bag than Kyrie does? No. His, I, think he, I, I, I think he's the better player. I mean, he has, he has tools in his arsenal that Kyrie doesn't. Like, which tool? Like, can, <laughs> Can Kyrie, I mean, we know Kyrie's an elite scorer at every level, but I, I just think KD's ability to back you down mid-range, handle the ball at the top of the key, mismatch. I mean, he, he's unguardable. It, it doesn't matter who you throw at him. You that's can't a, be guarded. That's, that's a fact. I mean, first of all, he's seven foot. So when you play great defense on him, you're right. His tool bag is amazing. Um, when you're talking about these high-level guys, you're like nitpicking and splitting hairs. Um but Kyrie could play in the post amazingly. Like he, he, he proved that this season. Like people were laughing at, people were laughing at him when he was talking about that at the podcast where he was going to bring it down to the post and he proved he could do it. I would say that. Can he do that on bigger guards though? No. He just, he just, here's the thing. I think like, you know, James Harden has the step back, right? KD has the hezzy pull. Obviously they both have more than that, right? A lot more than that. But I feel like Kyrie has almost every move at a patent level. Like, he could do all that. Has he pull up, step back. He's actually better off the ball than people think. Like, he could curl with the left, curl with the right. He could get in the post. He's obviously the best under-the-rim finisher ever. I just feel like Kyrie, and I talked about this a bunch on the podcast, he just has more options as an offensive player. I mean, when he gets in the lane, it must get boring for him. Yeah, but Kevin Durant, (laughs) that's just 
call a spade a spade. He just has guy given a he's seven feet tall. Yeah, no, so and look, so, so so he has the size, he probably has the athleticism. So you could do more though, which allows you to do more, which you could literally, it's a blank canvas, and he can literally do anything he wants. He well, can go I, go ahead. I was gonna say, but he also has one of the most unstoppable shots of all time. Like you think of Dirk Fader, Kareem Skyhook, Kevin Durant's pull-up is literally in there. Now, Kyrie Irving, I'm not saying you're gonna lock him up. But you can get somebody to agitate him. You can't get anyone to stop Kevin Durant. Yeah, I just think that Kyrie has more options as an offensive player than any other player. But Kyrie operates at a certain level of difficulty that KD doesn't. And that's to Max's point. He has God-given ability that you just can't coach, you can't teach it. Um, but again, for all the things Kyrie has, there are certain times he can get limited. Again, against a bigger guard, he's not taking him down in the post. And being able to get his own shot there. He's he's got to create from the top and, and use his handle and his speed. KD, it, it doesn't matter who you throw on KD. KD gets any shot he wants from any spot on the court at any time in the game. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. I wanted to shift to the MVP conversation of a season that didn't even start yet. And the rookie of the year's <laughs> conversation for a season that haven't even started yet. Um, look, I think Jokic will win it again. There's a few reasons for that. Um if you watch him in recent videos, it looks like he got in even better shape. I think his usage will be really high, especially with Jamal out for part of the season. I think a combination of those two things and him just being a young player, he's bound to improve, will be the reason that he will win the MVP award again. Max, we could start with you. Who would you have? Who are your MVP, who are your MVP favorites? It doesn't even have to be one. But who? Go ahead. The Jokic is a really good pick because you have to think situationally. And to yeah. your point, Jamal Murray's out. Uh, he's going to be in position to have to carry the team, so he'll get the more valuable type of thing going. But I think Luca's due for one. I think Luca's going to put up crazy type of stats. He's 2K cover, went crazy in the Olympics, all this momentum, new head coach. I think we're going to see Dallas take a step, and obviously with more a bigger step, you're going to get more votes with more team success. So with Luca and his stats – more team success. I think Luke would be my number one. I'll throw Jokic in there, but another sneaky one. I think Curry may have one more in him. And I know Clay's coming back because he's healthy, but I think Golden State is going to be more of a threat this year. Last year, they were obviously in the play-in tournament. So if they have more team success and Curry's doing numbers like he always does, I think he'll be in consideration. I like the Luka pick. I like the Steph one as well. I'm going to say KD. I think all the chatter mm-hmm. coming out of Brooklyn um, – it's very rare that you hear a team talk as much as they have since the season ended. Uh, they were quick to let Milwaukee know and let the world know that we should have won that championship. We were the best team and the world knows that he carried that over into the Olympics. And I think now that he's fully healthy, I think he shows out this season. I think they, they go out to prove a point. They want to be not only the best team in the East, but the best team in the league. And he's the best player on that team. Before we get out of here, you guys have been more than gracious with your time. Rookie of the year. I would say, especially with the John Wall news coming out that Jalen Green will win rookie of the year. And I don't even think he'll be the best player as a rookie. I think Kate Cunningham has a great chance to actually be the best player out of the rookies. I just think that Jalen Green is going to have really gaudy stats. Um, I think he's going to average 17 to 20 points a game. And I think that really matters. So I would definitely have Jalen Green. I just think he's an NBA scorer right now. And he might be a little bit more box office than Cade. Maybe you guys have somebody outside of Kate and Jalen. I would go with Jalen right now. Um, so I was correct on last year's pick because I had LaMelo last year. You got so, it. You got it. 
I'm, I'm going for two straight. Jalen Green is my favorite rookie, but I think Jalen Suggs wins it. I just think him going to that situation, being even though he's a young guy, he, he plays is. the game like a veteran. I've, I said it before, Combo, you didn't like the comparison, but I say he reminds me of a young Darren Williams. I think he goes in and stabilizes something in Orlando. And I think they have a little bit of success. I think he wins rookie of the year. He looked, he looked really good in summer league. And so did Jalen Green and Kay. They all look good. Max? Wow, that's a really good pick. I hope so. Selfishly, I covered the Magic, so I hope we, we can get some positive momentum there. Um, I'm going to go Jalen Green, too, because of the situation. Like you said, situationally, and I think it's going to get a lot of touches, box office, highlights. I think Cade will ultimately be the best overall player, to your point, but I think Jalen's probably going to get the most flair and the most attention, so I'll go Jalen Green. Okay, before we get out of here, one more question. One word answers, one name answers. Max, who's the greatest boxer to ever live? I'm going to go Floyd. I want to say Ali. Selfishly, I want to say Ali because that's one of my favorite athletes. I know it's one word answer, but I'm going to go, I'll go Floyd. Eric? Floyd Mayweather. Wow, Eric, I think, I, I think you surprised me with that one. I don't know why I didn't think you were, you were going to no, go with someone else. It's always the money team. Floyd yeah, yeah. He, he, you can't argue with what he's <laughs> hey, he, he, hey, he never lost. I mean, well, no, no. But 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 to Max's point, um, and that's no disrespect on Muhammad Ali, but in terms of pure skill, there's no one who has been better than Floyd. Floyd mastered the game, and he gave you two different careers. Pretty Boy Floyd was more of a slugger and a guy who put on a show by knocking you out. Money Mayweather was just the defensive wizard who you couldn't touch and, and just made you look foolish. Most definitely. Rest in peace, Muhammad Ali. Max, thank you so much for taking the time. Eric, thank you so much for taking the time. I want to really, I want to have you guys on the show. You guys always show me a lot of appreciation and support, and you guys always have me on your platforms. So it's great to have you on mine. Um, Eric, where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? On social media, it's Legend in Two Games, completely spelled out L E G E N D I N T W O G A M E S. Shoot me a like, shoot me a comment. And as I always say, I open up the platform for any great sports debates. Uh, my podcast, The Sanchez Show and Real Fans Real Talk, streaming across, across all platforms, Google, uh, Spotify, Apple. Um, and then also Real Fans Real Talk airs every Thursday night in the New York City area, uh, channel 68 on Verizon. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, Eric actually had me in studio when I first started the podcast. Like I, I wasn't even that experience of a podcaster um, at that time. He actually had me in studio. That was really fun. We got to get back to that, Eric. We got to get back. Actually, yeah, it got some good news. And, and Max, we're going to bring you through the studio as well once we open back up. Uh, they, they're saying right now at the end of October, uh, we're going to be opening back up. But it's, it's crazy that you say that because I had come across your work at that time. I had reached out to you and Combo didn't respond. So a then, word? Yeah, I remember, but it's all good though. And then I saw you, <laughs> I saw you at Balling for Peace, and that's when I ran that's down on you at Balling for Peace. And that's Combo gave me this look like, yo, who the fuck is this guy? Like, <laughs> no, that's not me, Eric. I'm like, no, 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 but it was cool. I was like, yo, I, I, I like your work, man. I would love oh. to have you on the show. And then from there, we got it going, man. Yo, Max, you see the picture this guy is painting for me right now? Man, <laughs> man. The combo's big time. Oh, man. But no, I'm serious, man. I want to get you guys in the studio. Maybe we could do a, a NBA preseason show or something right before the season kicks off. Most definitely. Max, where can we find you? Social media, everywhere else. Yes, sir. You know my slogan. My name is my brand. So Max Van Auken Podcast, Apple Podcast, our radio, Spotify, YouTube, um, Instagram, Twitter. Max Van Arken just had Joy Taylor on. Thank you for plugging that. So it was a great Most show. And 
like I said, you can always DM me, message me. You can hate on me, whatever you want. My, my DMs are always open, always willing to have you guys on as well. So thank you, Combo. You too, there, Eric. There we are. Max out, Eric out, Combo out. There it is, another episode. Eric, we appreciate you. Max, we appreciate you. And thank you to everyone who tunes into Combo's Court across the globe. Let me know how you feel about the show by dropping a comment right on your Apple podcast app. Rate and review wherever you listen to Combo's Court. And share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at one to combo on instagram that's o-n-e-t-w-o-c-o-m-b-o be on the lookout for episode 304 combo out